Thanks, Andy, for possibly the best introduction I've ever been given. Um, just to clear a few things up. Uh, Crum, I actually wish was my name. Unfortunately, there's two Gavs in my office, Gav Loftus and Gav Patterson. So it's Gav P and Gavel. It sounds like a French lady, um, which is quite unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, secondly, uh, rock gods. Um, unfortunately, I may have to change my talk. You will have no other gods except me. It's, I'm pretty sure it's in the Ten Commandments. Sorry about that. But welcome to the fourth instalment of Esther. It's this odd book in the Bible that, that doesn't mention God, doesn't s- seem to have any, any religious or, or moral teaching. Frankly, it seems out of place. In fact, some people have argued that it is out of place in the Bible. But if we take a step back from it, if we don't try and analyse word for words and, and like that, we take a step back and take this book for what it really is, an absolutely amazing story, then we can see God's work in it. We can see his message within it. Jesus once said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I think these words nearly sum up the book of Esther, um, especially the bit we're looking at today. It's uh, from the tail end of chapter 4 through to chapter 6. In this story we'll see goods and bad characters, those who exalt themselves, those who humble them. And my challenge today is I want us to use this as like, almost like a mirror in, in, into ourselves. We're going to use it to spot the things within us that, that don't bring God's, God glory. The characteristics in us that frankly we could do better at. So we may not be as bad as some of the characters in this in this passage, in this story, but we have all acted in some way, big or small, we have all acted like these guys that we will hear about today. So the challenge today, the aim of today is to identify with these characters and allow God to challenge our thoughts, our actions and our behaviours. So please dive into this story with me. Allow yourself to get, to get drawn along in the plot, get caught up in the drama, laugh at the humour of it. And let's see what we, can, what we can learn, what God can teach us today. So let's pray. Yeah, God, um, we pray that you, you teach us today. God, we pray that you convict us of anything we need to learn. God, we pray that you, um, you help us identify where we can better bring you glory, where we can sharpen up. And, um, and God, this is, this is our aim. We want, to, we want to better bring you glory in our everyday, God. Amen. It is all kicking off in Persia these days. Honestly, have you seen him? King Xerxes, you must have heard about King Xerxes. Everyone's heard about him. He's pulled this massive party, and I mean the biggest party you will ever see. The party of all parties. The party to end all parties. But somehow, he had a little bit too much, right? A little bit too much. And he got rid of his queen. Who does he think he is? He got rid of her just because he wouldn't do as he was told. What is he doing? What is he playing at? Then, in some kind of, I'll try and make this better, he gets a new queen in the most horrific manner. No joke, a horrific manner. He got all these girls lined up, brought them in, had gave them beauty treatments from all over the land. The poor girl that got chosen was a girl called Esther, a Jewish girl, but that's between me and you, no one knows that yet. Poor Esther got chosen in this queen competition. Esther has an uncle called uh, Mordecai. He's a nice bloke, actually. Um, he looks after. He's a bit of a guardian towards her. He's a bit, he's a, he is actually a really nice bloke. So Xerxes has, has just snatched his niece and said, yeah, this girl's going to be my queen. And Mordecai finds out about this assassination plot. 
Now, if it was me, I'd have a bit of a, a bone against Xerxes, but all, all credit to Mordecai. He, he foils the plan. He tells Esther, and, and in turn, she tells, tells uh, Xerxes. Mordecai's a hero. He's an absolute hero. But, of course, our Xerxes, our great king, does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Doesn't reward him, thank him, doesn't even give him a pat on the head. In fact, he promotes this chap called Haman, right? This chap called Haman to the number two spot in the whole kingdom. Now, Haman is your typical, typical bad guy, number two. You know, he's the king's suck-up, thinks he's top dog, you know, a bit more important than what he really is. Haman is an absolute nut job, honestly. He's taken it upon himself to wipe out the Jews, to wipe out the whole of the Jews, just because Mordecai, right, Mordecai, good guy, Mordecai doesn't, decide, doesn't want to bow down to him. He doesn't want to bow down to him, so Haman goes, you know what, I'm going to wipe out the Jews. Personally, I think it's a bit of an overreaction, but what can we expect? He's got an example like Xerxes. It's quite interesting here, um, just a thought before we can continue. The example of Xerxes has given Haman this idea that he can do what he wants. That it's okay for him to, to, to just wipe out the Jews because someone annoys him. Xerxes got rid, of his, got rid of his queen. I can do the same. It's a great, a great, great thought that as leaders, and I take every single one of you as leaders, in your positions, in, in your houses, in your courses, in your jobs, you have influence. People look to you. Every single one of you Stand, sitting here today as a leader. Here's a thought. What's your example setting? Are you giving, gi- giving a good, good example to the people behind you? Are you leaving a legacy of good behind you? So Mordecai, right? He comes, he's in absolute panic. So he runs to Esther. Esther must be able to do something. She's queen. She must be able to do something to save her people. Her people, the Jews. So Esther, Esther, can you help us? Can you help us? Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, get all the Jews in Susa, all of them. All of them were fasting. Day and night, three days, we're eating nothing, drinking nothing. We're fasting. Me and my maids will do the same. Me and my maids will do the same. We've got to fast and pray for this. So Mordecai went and did all this. Another thought, um, Esther's first thing she did here. She was facing annihilation from, from Haman. He was going to wipe out her people. He was going to completely wipe out the Jews. And what does Esther do? She waits. She waits. Not just a, oh, I'll think about this. I'll, I'll give it a night's sleep. Three days Esther waited. Three days. But let's not sit back for, for one minute and, and think that Esther was just, just seeing how it goes, you know, closing her eyes, hoping it'll go away. If I can't see the problem, it's not really there. She was actively waiting, actively waiting. Our Esther had her priorities in, in, in order. No matter what the situation was, no matter what she faced, she prioritised God. She honoured God. She sought God's favour. She prayed, she fasted, she pleaded with God for three days. 
What an example. You know, I, I want to be like Esther. Whatever I'm faced with, it's God first. I want that kind of character. I want the Esther kind of character. So on the third day, Esther goes to uh, goes into King Xerxes, puts on her royal robes, you know, comes into the inner court. Xerxes sitting in his in his throne. <laughs> Esther, come on in. Holds out his gold scepter. Esther, Esther touches it, and he goes, Esther, Esther, my love. I will give you anything. What, what's your request? I'll give you anything. Even, even up to half of my kingdom. I'll give you it. And Esther asks this old thing. She goes, if it pleases the king, if I found favor with the king, come today with Haman to, to a banquet I've prepared for you. Tell Haman to come. Esther has requested a banquet with us all. Quick, bring him. So they've had their meal and they're drinking away. They're having some wine. Now, now, Esther, tell me what you really want. I know it wasn't dinner. I'm, I'm king, of course I know. Tell me what you really want. Again, if, if it pleases the king, and if I find favour in your eyes, come to a banquet tomorrow. Bring him in as well. Then I will tell you what I really want. What on earth is Esther doing? She has just been given this opportunity right in front of her. Esther, I will give you anything up to half of my kingdom. And she asks for dinner. Twice! She asks for dinner. What on earth is she playing at? If it was me, I would be storming in, knocking heads together, throwing over tables, give me what I want. But Esther, Esther's a different breed, isn't she? She approaches the king with humility. She's not brash, demanding. She approaches and, and seeks favour of the king. She sought God's favour first. Now she's seeking the favour of the king. What an example. Do we do this? Is this as a simple question, is this what we do? Do we run in demanding our way? Do we think this is our right? Or do we have, have the, the, the humility of Esther? Do we approach, approach man with humility? You know, I want that kind of spirit. I want that humble spirit. That's the kind of character I'd like to be like. So Haman leaves the banquet. He is happy as Larry. So chuffed with himself. He is buzzing. Got his power strut on. Walking through the kingdom. <laughs> then he sees Mordecai. Mordecai does nothing, sits there, doesn't stand up, doesn't bow to him, tremble nervously before him. You should have seen Haman. He was ripping, and I mean ripping. But he didn't do anything. It was kind of odd, I thought. He just he tried to compose himself. He's in public. He came home. He gathered all his friends together, all his friends. Got his wife in, and he boasted away about his great wealth, his many children, how the king had, had, had promoted him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all. The king has invited me to a banquet with him. Me, Esther and the queen. And, and, and. Esther has invited us again. Me, 
and the king himself to dine with them tomorrow. But all this, all this is nothing. As long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, is just sitting there at the palace gates. Poor, poor Haman. Haman, Haman, Haman. He is a troubled soul. He's just been given everything. He's just had a, had a dinner date with the king and queen. I would love that personally. I would absolutely love it. But that's not enough for our Haman. See, Haman has this warped view of himself. He thinks, he's, he, thinks he deserves this respect in his head. So this slight affront from Mordecai, that frankly, a humble man probably wouldn't even notice. It drives him mad. It drives him buck-daft. <laughs> if Haman doesn't have everything, he has nothing. What do we think of Haman's character here? What do we think of his arrogance? What do we think of his pride? What do we think of his reaction to to disrespect? Granted, not many of us would get that angry. True, not many of us would get that angry at, at such a thing. But I think all of us, and myself, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Of in some way being arrogant. Or at some point have been arrogant. Have you ever had that feeling of, I, I just, what, what, what are they doing to me? Why have they done that to me? And you've got, you, we, we get caught up in this, that's not good enough from them. I've been disrespected from them. And we hold some kind of grudge. I think in all, some way we do or have had a bit of arrogance. My first day of work, uh, full-time work, when I, I, I'd worked part-time last year as a student work, and I went full-time. My boss called me into, into his office, and he said, Gav, among other things, he, he told me uh, a lot of just things of how things were going to work. And then he finishes with, look, I just want to tell you, I know you probably don't mean it, or don't mean to be like this, but you're coming across as arrogant. Ow! It was like, ow, your first day of full-time work. And he tells me that. But thank goodness he told me that. See, I don't want to be like Haman. I don't want to have this arrogance. I don't want us to have this arrogance. I don't want us to carry around the pride that, it, that Haman had. That night Xerxes couldn't sleep, bless him. I don't know what it was. I hate it when it happens. You know when you just can't take over? You just can't take over. So in fairness to Xerxes, I'm pretty harsh on him most of the time. But in fairness to Xerxes, he pulls out a good move here. He cracks out the history book. Now my year nine teacher can tell you that is guaranteed to send me to sleep. Great move from Xerxes. Great move. But he stumbles along this story of of Mordecai. I told you about Mordecai, didn't I? Where he foiled that assassination plot. He stumbles across this story in, in the history books. And he turns to his, to, his, uh, to his officials and say, How did I reward young Mordecai? I bet you it was good. Bet you it was good. Uh, you didn't, oh great king. Ah, right. Sure enough, 
Haman in perfect timing strolls in. Haman, Haman, my loyal servant, what should I do to honour a man that pleases me? Now Haman was thinking to himself, who would the king want to honour more than me? It must be me. (laughs) Well, king, if I was to honour someone, (laughs) I would bring out your royal robes. And a horse, a horse, I love horses. One of those ones with the royal emblems on his head. Bring him out, get get a noble official to to put the robe on him, set, set the man on the horse. And parade him through the city square, proclaiming, this is what the king does for a man he wants to honour. Haman, I knew you, I knew I promoted you there for some reason. Excellent work, Haman. I want you to go and do this. Everything you've said, don't miss anything out for Mordecai the Jew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mordecai. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. So Haman has to go out, get the royal robes. His idea. Get the horse. His idea. Put Haman, or put them onto Mordecai. Put Mordecai on the horse. Parade through the city centre. This is a man that the king wishes to honour. Absolutely fantastic. Mordecai, straight after he goes back to the palace gate, goes back to work. Haman, oh Haman, he goes home. Rejected, humiliated, fantastic. Everybody loves when the bad guy gets his comeuppance. And what comeuppance did Haman get? I tell you that, what comeuppance. I tell you what, it'd be interesting to see whether or not Haman would have said the same thing if he knew it was for Mordecai. I bet you if it was, it was uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably give him a, give him a handshake. Well, that would be good. Yeah, good, good way of thanking him. Haman, Haman. So proud of himself, so arrogant he thought it was him. But on the other hand, we have Mordecai. I thought Mordecai's reaction to all this was quite interesting. It was, oh well, thanks king. I, I appreciate, you, appreciate you saying thank you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to work. Just so you know, I'm, I am thankful, but I'm, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to serve you. Talk about not getting too big for your boots. What humility from Mordecai. What humility. What a man. Tell me this, are we this, that humble? How, how would we react to that situation, how, would, how do we react? Would we react like, like, like Haman does? Assume it was us? Big it up because we think it's us? Do you know what? I, I, I want friends with that kind of humility that Mordecai has. I want to work with people with that kind of humility. I want to live with them. I want to go to church with people with that kind of humility. I want to be that humble. I'd love that characteristic of Mordecai. Proverbs 16, 
verse 18 in the message says, first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall, and what a fall it was for Haman. Look, can we all stand up? Please, can we all stand up? Band, if you want to come, come back up on the stage. There's, there's been a lot in that story today, guys, and look, I hope you've, I hope you've had a, la- a laugh. I hope it's, it's, uh, it's been brought alive to you. That was, that was my aim for today, and I hope that's happened, but most of all, I hope we've learned something. Like, the characters in these stories are on both sides of the pantomime spectrum. You've got the really good, they're either really good or they are really bad. But like I said at the start, in some way we've all had these characteristics. Big or small, we've all had them. We've all done something that is humble. We've all had humility. But on the reverse of that, we've all had a bit of arrogance. But most of all, I want us to take Esther's example here today. That God-first mentality. No matter what the situation, the God-first mentality. See, that's where it all flows from. Esther and Mordecai, they had, they had the God-first mentality. So that humility flew, flew, out, flew, flew out from them. Flows out from them. Well, Haman, he looked for his, his affirmation in man. You know, he looked for it in power, in wealth, in titles, in his job, in relationships. Guys, if we do that, it's game over. It is game over. We cannot look for confidence, peace, affirmation from this world. That can only flow from God. We're going to sing this song, and it's all about it is that God first mentality. It's, it's just the praise of God, it's the honouring of God. It's the we will fail, but God, you never fail. It is the God first mentality in this song, so let us let us pray. Yeah, God, I, I pray that you come by your Holy Spirit now. God, I pray that you convict us of where we need to change. God, I pray that that we can see you in this story, God, that we can learn from this story. I pray, God, for each individual, they will identify somewhere different, someone with someone different in that story. Whether it's Esther and that God-first mentality, that we need to learn that, we need to develop that. Whether it's Haman and we've just been thinking a bit too highly of ourselves. Or whether it's Mordecai and we want to develop a spirit of humility. we pray that you you convict us of this you teach us with this and you heal us of this God God I pray that you change us I pray that you change us Amen